part of the Christmas, the Advent season. But it's also uh, a time of waiting as we anticipate and wait for uh, Jesus' second coming. And so these themes that we traditionally look at uh, in kind of a more modern church, I mean, it started hundreds and hundreds of years ago with Advent candle lighting and having each candle represent something where you, uh, where you start with hope, uh, peace, joy, love, and finally the Christ candle where often we focus on wonder. Our typical themes that throughout the Christmas narrative, you hear them in Christmas carols and cards and and we, we draw them right from Scripture. And so today we focus on love. And I, I feel like already, just in how we uh, have come today and what we've heard already in the songs, uh, in the prayers, in the reading, uh, we've heard a lot of the message for today on God's love. Because God sent his one and only Son. That's the message of love. That God came down in the flesh, fully human, fully God, that he might not only understand but might step into our place. And that's a great amount of love. That type of sacrifice is a great love. And so today, rather than really picking apart what God's love is about, what I hope for you is that you'll experience God's love. And more particularly today, we'll look at how to respond to God's love. And in order to do that, we'll look at the life of Mary. And so we're going to pour over a whole lot of scripture today. And I'm not necessarily going to read it, but you'll see on the screen, uh, on your TV screen and on the screen up here. And you can read along. And I'm just going to try and move us through some of the narrative of how Mary responded to this great love of God that she encountered in such a uh, specific, amazing, overwhelming way. And the question we'll be asking throughout is, how would you respond? So tuck that question away as we begin. How would you respond? So we first encounter Mary in Luke 1.26, and, and we discover it comes right after the narrative account by Luke of Zechariah and Elizabeth. And so that's John the Baptist's parents, and they're old in age and haven't had children. And God miraculously gives them a child who would be the prophesied one, not the Messiah, but the Messiah's forerunner, who would announce to the world and prepare the world for the Messiah. And so in Luke 1.26, we find out that it's very specific. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, an angel came and visited Mary. And so Mary, it said, is pledged to be Joseph. There's a lot in there that we need to understand. So we get the whole uh, gist of how Mary would have responded. Now, sometimes when we look at this idea that Mary is pledged to be married to Joseph. Now, Joseph was in the kingly line. He was a descendant of David. And so that's a pro prophesied thing about how to tell who the Messiah was. Uh, the Messiah would be born of a virgin. The Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. The Messiah would be in the kingly line of David and would set up a new kingdom on a new kind of throne in the line of David. And so all of these things are true. Joseph is uh, related to David, Mary is a virgin. And just on the outset, what we see from Mary's life is that she has an external purity. So she is a virgin. She's listened to what God wants for her life. She's following the biblical uh, teaching and the biblical custom of the day, as well as the custom of arranged marriage. Now, if you've ever watched uh, the Nativity, uh, it's kind of a depiction of this, and, and other accounts of the gospel narrative, the Christmas story, sometimes they play it out that Mary didn't want to get married to Joseph. 
And that's reasonable to assume because we look at it through our eyes, that arranged marriage is a bad thing and whoever's in it must not want it. And this poor woman is forced to marry this man and that's likely the case sometimes. But there's nothing in this narrative that would suggest that Mary's character or the character of Joseph played like that at all. In fact, later on and elsewhere, when we find Joseph wrestling with what to do since he's engaged to this woman who's already pregnant, an angel visits him and he, he takes her on as his wife and does honorable and godly character type things. And so there's really no sense that she was fighting this. That's important to recognize, that she has this external purity. And when we get to verse uh, 28, the angel actually visits her and says, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. And so this idea of being favored is important to pay attention to, because if we don't understand there's this external purity, we won't fully grasp what the angel is saying. And so the angel is saying to Mary, Look, you're favored by God. So externally, yes, you're still a virgin, you're getting married, you're, you're participating, it seemed to be in all the customs of the day, a good Jewish girl. But God saw something else inside her. He favored her. She had an internal character that for some reason made her stand out, and that God chose her. And so we continue verse uh, 29, confused and disturbed. She, she couldn't figure out what was going on. So though she's seen as fa favored, there's this angel here, and she didn't know what this angel meant. What do you mean I'm favored? That's a really neat thing to look at. Because people with the greatest humility, people with very Christ-like character, often don't see it. And most often don't flaunt it. And so she's like, what do you mean I'm favored by God? Because she was just being who she'd always been, following God, drawing near to him. And so the angel says in verse 30, don't be afraid. Obviously she's afraid. Anytime we see an angel in all the scripture, people are afraid. If you saw an angel, you'd likely be afraid too. It's unbelievable. We're not used to seeing that. But I think he's saying more than that. Don't be afraid for more than this. There's more to it. There's more coming. So don't be afraid of what's coming. And then he explains uh, the plan in verse 31. He says, you'll conceive a child. And this will be the promised one of Israel. He will be the son of the Most High. He will be an ancestor of David. And he will set up an everlasting kingdom. Don't be afraid of this thing. Uh, you're going to have a child. And God's going to bless you. You've been chosen to have this promised deliverer, this Messiah, that your whole culture and everyone's been looking forward to for years and years as God provided more and more prophetic and clarity. And they had this picture. Jewish people had a picture of what that would look like. But Mary was just receiving what the angel said. Then verse 34, she asked the angel the basic question. How did this happen? I'm a virgin. Okay, how is this all going to happen? Mary has great character, but she's still a person. She's still a human. Right? She still has questions. So she's highly favored. She has this angel. She's doing the right things externally. Internally, she has some character as well. And she just asks the basic question. You're like, how is this going to happen? And so the angel unfolds this plan. Next verse. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come on you. The Most High will overshadow you, and God will bless you with this child. This soon-to-be-born child will be holy. He'll be called the Son of God, fully human, fully God. 
God come down to earth in you. God will make this happen through the power of the Holy Spirit. Great explanation. And then he goes to, on to assure her, what's more, verse 36, what's more, your relative Elizabeth, remember her? This relative, you probably know. It's, it's almost like Gabriel saying, you probably know that she's old in age and shouldn't be having kids, and they've been praying this for years, and your relative is miraculously having a child too. So don't doubt what I'm saying. What I'm saying seems amazing, but it's already happened here, and he gives her this assurance. And so Mary listens to that, and he says, for the word of God will never fail. You can have deep faith. You can keep trusting. Why? Because what God says, he'll do. What God is working out in your life, he'll work it to completion. Lots of verses in the Old and New Testament that talk about that. That what he starts, he's going to continue. What he initiates, he'll, he'll finish. And so the question really is, how would you respond? How would you respond? Remember back just a few minutes ago, I talked about this external and internal purity and this being favored. We need to understand that how Mary responded wasn't her life was going this way away from God, and then all of a sudden he came with an angel and chose her to do this great thing, and she got in line with him. It's that she was following with God all along, the whole time. And then God chooses her for a great opportunity. And the way she responds is based on a depth of relationship. And so if you today are watching or listening, and you're not close to God, that's okay. God doesn't judge you for that, but he invites you near. Because he has plans for you. And he has ideas of what he wants to work in and through your life. And sometimes he's just waiting for us to draw near in order to put those plans into place. And so how did Mary respond? Well, first of all, she responded with obedience. Next verse, verse 38. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. The angel gave his message and was looking for this kind of heart response, and she says it. I think she said something that was in line with what she'd always said. This is pretty amazing. She expressed her doubt, her questions, how will this happen? But in the end of it all, she has this deep-seated faith. No matter how this is going to work out, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you say happen. She responds with obedience. Mary responded to God's love with obedience. Jesus said the same thing. John 14, 15 says this. Hearing this uh, man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, oh, that's the wrong one. I've got the right one here. Um, it's John, not Luke. So here's what John actually says. If you love me, obey my commands. If you love me, obey my commands. So Mary is responding to God's love. And the first way she thinks to respond is to obey. And Jesus says the same thing. You, you, you want to be in a close relationship with me? I love you. I've chosen you. I've sacrificed myself for you. But I'm looking for you. Your first response of love and return, how you respond, is to obey me. When we obey, when we walk uprightly with God, when we start to get things in line and start to live under the power of the Holy Spirit in his way and in his timing, he starts to get those things in our lives that we can't get in line on our own in line with him. He starts to build character. What's character? Character is just our default responses. And when our default responses and desires 
fall in line with Christ, he begins to do great and amazing things in her life. And so Mary responds with obedience. But there's another response that follows in the next portion of Scripture. Some of our Bibles have sections to it, and, and the next section goes into where Mary leaves and goes to visit Elizabeth. And so on in um, uh, Luke 1.39, we uh, read this. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country. So a few days after the angel Gabriel comes, she hurries to the hillside, out, out away from her village, and she goes to stay with Elizabeth. Now, we don't know why she does this, but most people assume that probably uh, while she starts to show some signs of pregnancy, being an unwed, betrothed mother, that's not looked highly upon in the Jewish culture. And so maybe she just needed a break and needed to come to terms with this and went to someone who could help her. And Elizabeth sees her coming, and the baby inside Elizabeth, this miraculous birth late in life, John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus, leaps for joy on sensing that Mary is approaching, hearing her greeting. We don't know if Jesus has begun to be formed in her or not, but likely. And so Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. She, her baby responds. There is just so much going on here in a response to God's love. And, and maybe someday we'll focus more on Elizabeth, but for today, let's just look at Mary. It continues. Elizabeth gives a glad glad cry, and then Elizabeth proceeds to tell Mary what happened, like my baby leapt for joy. And she she does this really important thing in coming alongside her relative who is experiencing God in amazing ways. God's doing something uh, that can't be understood, that's never happened before, that she's trying to come to terms with and walk through, but she needs a little bit of help. She needs a little bit of reassurance. So Elizabeth says, remember why this happened. Remember that you're blessed because you believed, you had faith, that what the, God, what the Lord said, what God said would happen, would happen. Remember, Mary, this isn't your doing. Remember, Mary, God is with you. Remember, Mary, he's going to keep doing this. No matter how you're feeling today, Mary, just know that my response is this and your response is this. And Elizabeth comes alongside Mary so compassionately. And then Mary responds. And in the next coming verses, I'm going to read this straight through. This is traditionally known as the Magnificent. It's a song, a spontaneous song that Mary just sings out loud. She's both making it up on the spot and the Holy Spirit's working in her too. And so it's this prophetic piece of worship. Verse 46, Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. Wouldn't you just love to know the melody and and how she'd sing that? You guys sang well today, by the way. That was awesome to be up here and hear your your voices singing. How my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one is holy, and he's done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down the princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped to serve in Israel and remembered to be merciful, for he has made this promise to her ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then went back to her own home. Mary is thankful. Mary explodes with praise. I doesn't care who's listening. It's not rhyming. Worship is not song. 
although we worship through song. Worship is simply expressing what's on our heart to God, either privately inside or externally to or with others around us. That's worship. Where I'm at, what you're doing, God, I'm going to send that back to you. We know that Mary does this externally. She also does it internally because after everything took place, Jesus is born and, and, uh, and they're back home. They've, you know, she's watching Jesus grow. We find Luke 2.19 says this, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The angels visit all that took place. She treasured them in her heart. She thought about them often. Last week we talked about how to have joy. You remember who God is and you recount what he's done for you. She did that. And she gave it back. She responded in worship. How would you respond? I have to admit that um, though I love music, though I love you know, singing and worship, and I really like contemplative uh, prayer and, and worship practices, that I'm a pretty reserved person. And I have to fight regularly to see through this, this kind of thing that goes on inside me. Maybe it goes on inside you too, where we're worried about what others are thinking of us. Right? You're, you're, you're concerned about, like, if I, if I worship in this way, or if I say this thing, or if I just kind of let it all out the way I feel, what are people going to think of me? They're going to think I'm some crazy, or maybe that I've gone off the deep end, or maybe I'm, I'm too charismatic, or maybe I'm not charismatic enough, or what will people think of me? And Mary didn't care at all. She didn't care at all. And I think a lot of how Mary responds in that moment with this worship, she's had modeled to her by older Elizabeth, kind of takes Mary under her wing and models some behavior and response and reflection to God. Mary responded to God's love with worship. Now this last one, uh, I, I can't find it word for word in scripture, so I'm asking for a little bit of, a little bit of wiggle room on this one, but I, I, I see it in what Elizabeth did and I see it in what Mary did. So Mary responded specifically. We know scripture says specifically she responded with obedience and specifically she responded to God's love with worship. But I think there's a third way she responds and it's, it's less of a response of her towards God and more of a reflection of God's love in her life off to others. She reflects what God is doing in her life to others. Consider this. So think about how you'd respond if you were Mary or Joseph and you're in that setting. And think for a minute about the shepherds. So the very night that Jesus is born, okay, so if you have had children and you've been in a birthing room and all that kind of stuff, do you want people in there right away? Some people do. We're a little more private. We're like, give us a couple days. Like, just stay away. Like, let's get our heads around this stuff. They're not in a home. They're not anywhere familiar. They're in a stable or a cave, whatever it was. Jesus is wrapped in whatever they could find, and he's laying in a feed trough. And that's their first baby. And it's a miraculous baby. And there's a lot going on. A lot going on. And so in that moment, rather than Mary saying, it's not a good time, guys. (laughs) She welcomes them. We don't know exactly what they say. 
But we do know that they would have told Mary and Joseph their story, and probably Joseph and Mary shared some of their life. And when the shepherds left, they left rejoicing. They told everybody, and everyone was filled with wonder over what happened. They couldn't believe what was happening. And so it seems that Mary, maybe based on the example of Elizabeth a little bit, but for sure based on her character and relationship with God, she watched as the spiritual journey of another group of people came alongside her. And she had the option of judging them and saying, your journey's not like mine. Or saying, not now, it's not a good time. Or any number of things she could have said. Instead, we don't have any dialogue at all. It seems that she just welcomed them with openness and understanding for their own journey and for what God was doing in their lives. Similar to her, hers, but not the same. It seems like she had some sort of a compassion for them. And we see the same thing with the wise men. Now, the wise men didn't come the night of, despite our nice little movies and mangers and all that kind of stuff. It says they came to some home. So at some point in time, Mary and Joseph found a home and stayed in Beth. Bethlehem for a while, and the star settled over that, and uh, the wise men came and visited. Again, it wasn't necessarily three. We don't know how many there were. Uh, they're foreigners. They're strangers. They're non-Jewish. Probably didn't look like her people, and they had gifts, and like we don't know language barriers. We don't know any of that stuff, but they show up at this house and said, well, we're here because there's a, like, do you see a star? There's a star, and we're here, and we're here to worship your son. Because he's the newborn king of something. We're not sure. Uh, we hear it's the Jews, and we're just here. We've got these gifts. Again, she doesn't say, yeah, not a good time. <laughs> like, who are you? <laughs> what do you want? Why are you in my home? Am I safe? Like, Joseph, where are you? Like, she doesn't do any of those things. She simply welcomes him. And the scripture says they come in, and they bow down, and they worship probably not the Jewish way, in whatever Persian Eastern way they worshipped. And they opened these gifts, all they could bring. And it seems like she had openness and understanding and compassion because we don't have anything said at all that it was negative or that she was troubled by this. Instead, she, she treasured that in her heart too. She came alongside them with compassion. And then when Joseph and Mary went to the temple on the eighth day to dedicate uh, Jesus to the Lord. Two people in the temple discovered through the Holy Spirit who this son was. They just knew, Simeon and Anna. And each one individually came up, found them, worshipped, prophesied. Again, it's a pretty big day in the life of a couple, especially if you've got the Messiah and you're taking him to the temple. All the, you know, Jerusalem and dedication and all that kind of stuff. And they just, Mary just seems to welcome that. With openness and understanding, she has compassion for the spiritual journey of another person and what God is doing in their life at that moment. She doesn't hinder it. There's no sense that she's saying, well, that can't be. Because I had an angel, you didn't have an angel, so it's not as important in me. She didn't say, hey, look, attain to my level of spirituality, like step up, I had character, I'm favored, why are you here to see my son? This is Jesus, did you wash your hands? Like, she doesn't do any of that kind of stuff. She just seems to have a deep compassion for the spiritual journey of another. 
when we come alongside someone else in whom God is working, especially in some like amazing way that's never happened before, when there's confusion and questions and a lot of faith and uncertainty, it's really important. Think back to what Mary asked the angel. Like she was asking for some reassurance, like how can this be? And then the angel said, remember Elizabeth, like this is going to happen, but you know, something similar is happening. I think that's what people need. When we respond to God's love with obedience and worship, we're not done because it's not just about us and God. God is working in our lives so we can work through them. And so we have opportunity to come alongside others and be that same kind of reassuring voice that Gabriel was and that the Elizabeth was to Mary. It's almost like um, a Google review, right? If you're going to a new restaurant, you can look up a Google review, and that's much better than, you know, what scrolls along the bottom of the web page from people they've curated, right? This was the best meal ever, and all this stuff, and you get there, and it's terrible. You read Google reviews, why? Because it's real people with real opinions. Sometimes, most of the time. Just see through that. See through that. When we come, f- come alongside other people, we have opportunity to validate that God is who he says he is. Because what people are really looking for when they're encountering God's love in a significant or the first way or coming back to him after wandering, what they're looking for is someone who reflects God. Does this person who's already had a similar journey, who's maybe a little further along, who said they've encountered God's love and have obeyed him, are steeped in worship and walking and are growing in character, do they look like God? So oftentimes people don't reject God because of God. They don't reject Jesus because of Jesus. They reject him because of his people, because we don't look anything like him, and because we often want to put people in this very narrow kind of journey. We can't control how God is going to work and people are going to mess it up. They just are. And so when we come alongside others with judgmentalism and saying, ah, you know, like, you have to, God will only work in your life in this way. Now, God will only work in his ways. He won't act in ways contrary to his nature. He won't do things he didn't do in Scripture. That, but within that, that's pretty wide. Even with Elizabeth and Mary, both miraculous birth, they're completely different. And God did completely different things in and through them. And Elizabeth was a lot able to come alongside Mary. And you are able to come alongside others because the question that's on people's hearts when they encounter God's love, is it true? How can this be? How would you respond? Mary, she responded with reflection. Mary reflects God's love with compassion. Mary reflects God's love with compassion. You can skip a few slides up. So what I want, what I want to encourage you to do during this Christmas season is to reflect and respond to God's love. Simple. Respond and reflect to God's love this Christmas. So as you experience God's love in Jesus Christ, as you think about that, as you draw near to him and as you 
read scripture and sing songs and sometimes we even feel, right? We feel his nearness. Respond. First of all, respond with obedience. If he's working in your life and asking you to do something, do that. So what is it you've been holding off on all year? And it's Christmas, so we're kind of putting that aside because I'm, I'm busy eating stuff and wrapping things and going to Christmas services and stuff. God's not done. So this Christmas, a great way to respond to God is to obey him. Is there something in your life you know he's been asking? He's been working. Maybe he didn't have an angel come to you and he's not asking you to bear the Messiah. I hope he's not because I'd be wrong. Uh, but it's something. And for you, it's just as unbelievable, right? Sometimes God is doing stuff that's just as unbelievable as being told you, uh, Mary being told she'll bear a child. And you can't believe it. And you, you can't see through it. Respond with worship. So respond with obedience and respond with worship. Worship isn't song. Worship isn't for the musical. Worship isn't for the syncopated and the people who have rhythm and perfect pitch and all this kind of stuff. Worship is for everyone. Worship is taking what's in your heart and expressing it back to God. Some people paint, some people dance, some people write, some people pray. Some people whisper it, some people shout it out loud. Some people are very physical, others are a little more reserved. But here's what I challenge you. Don't be reserved in that. Mary wasn't. If you're worried about more about what people will think about you, how they'll judge you, than just simply giving back to God, then probably you're not responding very honestly. Respond to God's love with obedience and with worship. And reflect God's love with compassion. You may have family members, friends, people around you who are, don't seem to be following God. Maybe they don't even seem to be interested but you don't know what God's doing in their heart. And sometimes all they're looking for is someone to reflect God's love. Someone to seem like Jesus, because if we say we follow Jesus, we should look like him, right? And sometimes people are just looking for that reassurance. Sometimes people who are going through a lot, where God is doing a lot, they're followers of Jesus, and they just can't, like, God's really moving in their life. They're just looking for a compassionate voice, a compassionate person to sit beside them and help them. And so this Christmas, as you consider God's love, I encourage you to respond with obedience, to respond with worship, and to take opportunity to reflect his life, uh, reflect his love with great compassion. You don't know what God is doing in others' lives. You don't yet see what he's about to do in yours. And so the best thing we can do is to hold on to his love. Not keep it to ourselves and not hide it from others. The best thing we can do is figure out how to respond. And probably a good place to start today is to consider how Mary responded. First of all, with obedience. Secondly, with worship. And how she allowed what God was doing in her to reflect into the lives of others as she came alongside them with understanding and welcome and compassion. And as we respond and reflect to God's love in that way, I think that for sure we will experience his love more, and so will others. Let's pray. Father, thank you for sending your son.